This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 253 to 263, and I also have a question that I'm going to answer at the end. Before I start, this has nothing really whatsoever to do with Falcon Twin at all, and I'll probably post something about this on the forums before too long anyway, but if you like RPGs and you haven't gone out and purchased Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, what the hell is wrong with you? The game is just absolutely outstanding, and any person who likes RPGs should definitely go out and play it. If you have a monster PC that has an amazing video card and lots of RAM, then buy the PC version. And if you don't, go buy the Xbox version. And if you don't have an Xbox 360, well, go buy one, so that you can play many other fine games that are on that system. Because it's probably going to cost you less than upgrading your PC to run Oblivion anyhow. And you know what, even if you don't like RPGs, you should probably go out and buy Oblivion anyway, if you like pretty graphics, or you like exploring, or you like big open worlds that let you do lots of stuff, or you like Patrick Stewart, or if you even just like killing things. Oblivion will give you all of those things and more. Okay, page 253. Stop in the name of Evan. Yeah, I had to go through a few titles before I came up with this one because it looked like a couple of the other ones were taken. Anyway, so out Evan and Mika go from the store, and there's the guy on the left who you should recognize if you're paying close attention. Mika makes a little reference to Evan grabbing her arm, being dangerous, which was sort of a joke on what happens in the prologue, and people picked up on that, which was kind of nice. So anyway, you can still see from Evan's dialogue that he's kind of pissed off at Mika, even though it's a couple of days later, and gets a little ominous when he says that he wouldn't have let Mika kill Sydney. although I don't really know what he actually would have done, but I think he's just kind of talking big to counter what Mika's saying. Page 254, what would Sydney do? So this is a none-too-subtle attempt to tie together the two characters by establishing that Mika's way of thinking is not entirely dissimilar to Sydney's either. Evan has a nice little look when he's looking at Mika in the third panel there as she almost goes all the way through and says that that's what she would have thought if she were in Sydney's place. Originally, I think I was going to have Evan say something when Mika says that the church just tries to stop the Durad from doing whatever they want to, because it kind of seems like she's saying that the church is just there to spoil their fun, and I, I seem to recall that I was going to have Evan take exception to that and argue about it a little bit, but it ultimately it didn't seem entirely necessary. The very end just establishes that they're going to be moving on into another scene, and that Tresca and Annika are out doing their own thing, which kind of leads into uh, what happens in the next page. Evan and Mika, even if they're still not on the best of terms with one another, they can both agree that neither of them is very interested in shopping, and the whole idea of the two of Tresca and Annika shopping together is less than appealing. So anyways, they go down to wait at the bar, page 255, the swimsuit issue. Here is Mika looking embarrassed when she sees Tresca in her bikini and Annika in her swimsuit. I like that I was kind of able to get the characters' colors worked into their swimsuits a little bit. You've got some of the green from Tresca's outfit and hers. Annika obviously has the white and purple, which match her normal outfit. And a lot of people seem to like Annika's look even better than Tresca's, even though Tresca is kind of a more revealing thing. And I think the swimsuits themselves sort of match their characters a little bit more. And by the way, if you're going to ask how they managed to get nylon or whatever swimsuits they have in this world, uh, go fuck yourself, because I think I've said before, this is not a goddamn documentary. But at the very least, Tresca looks kind of appealing. I sort of like the curve of her back and her waist. Page 256. I'm burning right through these. Mika's having difficulty and is stammering as she sees Tresca. And Annika moves in for the kill. Some people found it interesting that Evan was going to go off with Annika. They sort of assumed that he was restricted to the same sort of code that a Christian priest might be, 
or a Catholic priest, I guess, or you can't have sex, but there's really nothing in Evans Church that says that a guy in his position, or really anyone in the church, can't have sex. And so Annika's going to drag him off and do amazing things to him. And for once, the innuendo is not completely lost on Evan, so he just kind of gets up and gives him a half-hearted order to stay out of trouble, and Mika and Tresca are both amused by it. Page 257, so now that Evan and Annika are gone, it's time for Mika and Tresca to sort of be dealt with, and Tresca's going to go off and go swimming, which gives Mika a little bit of time alone. That's why Tresca's going to be leaving here, and Mika's having difficulty not looking at Tresca's cleavage. Mika says that she doesn't really like to swim, but in reality she has no problem at all with swimming. It's just that, as she mentions in a couple of pages, that she doesn't really like to be in swimsuits because she's not very confident about her body and doesn't really want to be judged by other people, and so wearing sort of plain clothes, as her normal clothes are, helps her avoid that. And so Tresca tries to drag Mika into swimming anyway, but Mika still declines. Tresca makes a little rhyme and runs off. Mika observes her happily page 258. So here we get the whole big inner monologue for Mika, explaining how much she likes Tresca, and as most of Mika's inner monologues go, they eventually turn to something negative, where she's unhappy about her own situation, and finally ties it back together with uh, Yumiko, because Yumiko and Tresca occupy a somewhat similar relationship to Mika in a similar place in her life. Nice little thing with Tresca losing her bikini top and having to chase that down doesn't look too great underneath the water, I don't think, in the fourth panel. Also, the water on Tresca's body looks kind of okay. It's not super wonderful, but it was kind of hard to do. I ended up doing some particular layer effect in Photoshop. I forget which one, and then I also used a drop shadow and then painted the water on. Page 259, Ennio's back. And the thing about Ennio is that every time he shows up, I wanted him to appear in something that was kind of thematically relevant. In the first time he shows up, there is nothing particularly relevant, so he's just in normal clothes. But now that they're at the beach resort type area, he's got the Hawaiian shirt with the really tacky pattern and the sombrero on. And in Near Tendro, when he appears, he's going to have something else that's thematically appropriate there and equivalently over the top, too. And as I mentioned a minute or two ago, Mika says that she doesn't like to wear swimsuits because everyone can see how she looks. And Ennio points out that that's not really the entire reason that Mika didn't go swimming with Yumiko that day. And I'd tell you what the real reason was, but I want you to figure it out for yourself. Mika's saying that she's got some things to think about. And at the very end of the page here, you can see that she's trying to get her train of thought going again. And it's having difficulty with it. And the whole idea of this scene is that Mika is trying to sort out her feelings for Tresca, but she doesn't really realize it. It's kind of like having a word right on the tip of your tongue, and you don't really know what it is. Page 260. So when you have a word on the tip of your tongue, inevitably you can't remember it until someone either tells you or you stop thinking about it, and then five minutes later you remember. So in this case, it's kind of what Ennio is playing off, where he's basically distracting Mika from what she's thinking about so that the unconscious part of her mind can get busy and stick it into the conscious part of her mind. I know that a few people have complained about the way that Mika realized that she was in love with Tresca here, but those people are pretty much just retards. As I said, it's basically the idea is that she has this unconscious thought about how she feels about Tresca, and it isn't until Ennio distracts her with something else that she can finally realize it consciously. So here she is on this page, sees Tresca again with the water that's kind of alright, and a weird sort of blurred hazy effect around the two middle panels there. 
And Ennio delivers his line about stopping thinking for a moment, which is exactly what I was just saying about if you stop thinking about something, sometimes it'll come to you more easily than if you sit there and agonize over it for a long time. Mika finally comes to the realization how she feels about Tresca, which is something that we've been leading up to for a long time, as explained on page 261. Mika has difficulty saying the L word, but she is, and she's trying to uh, come to terms with it, which she does in a relatively short order because there's so much evidence. And, and I was actually having difficulty trying to pick which specific scenes I was going to use because there were at least two or three other ones that I could have used for the flashbacks on this particular page. Mika is blushing in the second panel, which is about the only thing that isn't in the sapia tones, which is interesting. I like Mika's angry expression in the third panel, too, because when Tresco was originally wounded, you didn't really get to see Mika's immediate reaction, and so here you do, and it, and it looks quite good. And then the fourth panel, where Tresca seems to be doing things that I don't remember were actually going on in that dream, but Mika would at least like to remember them having gone on. And so the overwhelming body of evidence has convinced Mika that she is, in fact, in love with Tresca, and the same as before, all of Mika's internal monologues eventually come back to, well, great for everyone else, but not so great for me. Page 262, and we're going to move on into another scene. The title of this page is a reference to a poem by Shel Silverstein about crocodile teeth. And the exact line that he used was, what's one crocodile tooth, more or less? I sort of abbreviated that to what's one tooth, more or less, and then made a joke on that. Mika looks back to see Ennio gone. And this is the same thing I mentioned in the previous podcast, where there's a voice coming from off screen, and you don't really know who it is until later on. Although the dialogue here should probably give you a clue, especially uh, in panels four and five. But if panels four and five weren't enough to tell you, there she is on the final two panels, Sydney holding a kid who doesn't really look all that great. But I don't know, drawing kids is kind of hard for me. Drawing everyone is kind of hard for me, and kids in particular. And Sydney is now threatening a child, which is not something that she's above. I'm sure she's done much worse in her time. Page 263. Dude, I think someone just hurled. So Mika and Sydney sort of have their little argument, which is going to go down much quicker than their last argument, in particular in the restaurant. This time it's going to get right to it really fast. I like Mika standing there in panel 3, holding the sword 90 degrees to the side as if it were a gun in some action movie. That's probably what she's imitating. Sydney hurls the kid off to the side and slams him against the wall. I intentionally left it ambiguous what happened to the kid, because if she actually killed him on screen, it would have been way too evil for her. But at the same time, I didn't want her to just threaten the kid and then not do anything. So there's a loud crack, and you can assume that the kid was at the very least seriously injured. Whether or not he was killed is kind of unclear. And finally, Sydney announced that she's going to make an example out of Mika. Why she thinks she's going to be able to pull it off this time when she wasn't able to last time is not entirely clear, but who knows, maybe she thinks she's got something on Mika now. So will she be able to make an example of Mika? Find out next time on the Falcon Twin Podcast. And the question. Eli asks, I was wondering just what the icon you have as the administrator in the forums and in the notice box under the comic is. It seems to me to be similar to your art style. Did you draw it? Yes, Eli, I did draw it. That was actually something that I added when I redesigned the site in 2004. Originally, I had a picture that I had gotten off of Google Images of some guy. And when I was redesigning the site, two things happened. First of all, it didn't really seem to be thematically appropriate. It didn't fit in very well with the new look of the site. And then also, I wanted to kind of get rid of anyone else's copyrighted material that I might be infringing on. So I decided to draw my own. The new icon is a cynical Viking. 
I like Vikings and I like cynicism, so I have a cynical Viking as my avatar. I had gone through a couple of ideas for icons, one of which was Indiana beer. It was going to be a guy looking at a big glass of Guinness, like that scene in Indiana Jones where he's picking up the... I forget whatever it is, where Indiana Jones is picking up the thing off the pedestal, except that instead of whatever it was that Indiana Jones picks up, it was going to be a pint of Guinness. And there were a couple of problems with it. One, it was dumb. Two, I don't really care about drinking all that much. And three, it didn't really read all that well in icon size, 64 by 64. So I decided to try to do something else. And I like Vikings, and so I said, well, I'll do that. And Cynical Viking has made at least one other appearance, too, in page 300, where you can see Cynical Viking slumped over the desk, having drawn page 300, with a little Wacom tablet off to the side. So that's who that is. Thanks for the question, Eli. That was a good one. So all you people out there, go play Oblivion, and come back next week for another exciting installment of the Falcon Twin Podcast. So there.